how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Reel featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with this ginormous category of, I guess, Godzilla movies and King Kong. Yeah. Building up to uh, a Versus movie that's coming out here pretty soon, I think. Yeah. At least at the time we're recording this, it's coming soon. Getting hyped. I gotta say. I'm like the typical audience for these movies. I just like to see big monster fights. So if there's big monster fights and they're good, I'll probably like it. Acts like Hulk and Thor Ragnarok, but big monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely me. When it comes to these Godzilla movies, that's like all I want is big monster (laughs) smashing stuff. I mean, it may influence some of my thoughts about the movie today. Man, there's a big monster in this movie. There is. Kind of the big monster. Yeah. I mean, this was like, yeah, the one that set Godzilla on his path of a very strange path, I guess, (laughs) of being very serious to like Mecha Godzilla and stuff. It's a very strange path indeed. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. It's fine. You know, we can't have serious Godzilla all the time. If I just did that every single time, I think I'd get tired of it. There's, I like a little variety with my Godzilla. What did we watch here? Who who picked this? Kind of mutual, I think. I think it just kind of happened, and I was like <laughs> listening to Big Godzilla talk, and I was like, someone just tell me what movie I need to watch. <laughs> I will tune out for this. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> it may have happened. You've given us away, Mike. <laughs> How could you do this? <laughs> we had a Democratic <laughs> pick of Godzilla 1954. Yeah, we wanted to get the origin of Godzilla, and we're going to get the origin of Kong, and then we're going to jump ahead to like the, the legendary movies and watch all those in preparation for the newest one. But before we get started, uh, just a quick heads up, there will be spoilers for this movie, so if you don't want spoilers, then go ahead and watch it and come back, but just a heads up. Yeah, so somebody tell us a little bit about Godzilla 1954. Well, let me just pull up old IMDb real quick, and I'll tell you everything about it. American nuclear weapons testing results in the creation of a seemingly unstoppable dinosaur-like beast. And his name? Godzilla. Yeah, that about sums it up, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's basically, yeah, just how Japan deals with the giant monster, too, and how they, what they're trying to figure out what to do with it. There's a lot, yeah, that they're, they, they kind of try to cover with this. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a pretty deep movie. It is. One of the biggest things I noticed coming in was the tone of this movie. It's just, like, so serious. I've never seen this original Godzilla. I've seen a few of the, like, goofy ones, like Son of Godzilla. I think that's one. But I, like, don't remember which ones I have seen and which ones I haven't. And then I've... Of course, seen the newer Godzilla movies as well. So this is pretty different besides all of them from Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is pretty similar to this. Yeah, yeah. That's the closest one to this, I would say. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's. I like the tone. It's like, I don't know. It, I think the black and white actually adds a lot to it because we don't, we've got, I think there's only two black and white Godzilla movies. Um, and then it goes into color. 
this and Godzilla raids again. Yeah, which isn't my favorite, the second one. And I think just like the the shadows and like the the graininess of the film sometimes, it really like gives it a certain mood, I think, even if it maybe wasn't necessarily on purpose with all that grain, but it really makes it feel like kind of gritty and a lot darker. I would agree. That grittiness is kind of like reminiscent of like photos taken in high radiation eras, areas, kind of neat. Especially in the ocean scenes, I think. It's pretty sad, too, actually. I picked, I got a lot of the sadness in it this go around. Oh, yeah. There's a couple moments where I almost start tearing up a little bit. It gets kind of depressing. It is, because cause Godzilla's originally was basically the symbolism of the nuclear bombs um, hitting Japan. So just knowing the context and seeing some of the shots they do in this, it's like, it's really sad. Yeah, there's some moments like uh, the little girl crying when her mom gets taken away on the, the, the like, what are those called? The, the stretcher. Stretchers, yeah. When her mom gets taken away on the stretcher, I was like, geez, Louise, this is like so, it's, this is, ugh. There's the woman holding her children saying they're going to be with daddy soon. Oh, God. The child choir. Oh, geez, yeah. It hits a lot of, yeah, pretty somber notes. Yeah, it does. I definitely wasn't expecting that. I kind of remembered that back when we did Shin Godzilla, you, Dan, and TV had mentioned that it was more like this classic one. So I also kind of came into it thinking that, that it was going to be more of the logistics, politics, science. Yeah, just trying to figure this thing out. Not quite, but there's some, they do keep the science angle in there for a very important um, <laughs> plot point. Speaking of, I think they do a pretty good job, I mean, of building up the mystery. I mean, we all know what's going to happen because we know Godzilla, but Kind of like the just the build up to Godzilla himself. Like we don't really see him for a while, and we just hear these footsteps. Like every time Godzilla shows up, I love how there's just like this boom, boom. But you know, I'm assuming it's either his footsteps or just some awesome music to go with his like arrival. It's so creepy, and there's like that storm where you don't get actually see Godzilla, but you see like the people like their reactions to seeing something. You see him a little bit, but you don't know it's him. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it could be the storm, but you know, then you see all these people, like, and how they're reacting to it and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. I really like how they do that. I love those glowing patches in the ocean right at the beginning. That's, like, so ominous. I love how it opens, too, with that the awesome theme music, and then you just have Godzilla roaring and stomping around. Oh, it's so cool. That roar is so good. Man, it's so iconic. I love it. It's like the most iconic roar ever besides the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. But, I mean, this one did it first and did it a lot earlier. <laughs> I uh, read that apparently to make that roar, this dude like put some kind of grease or oil or something on a glove and rubbed it up and down like a cello. To make that roar is something pretty crazy. They had to get creative, you know? They didn't have all these crazy ways to, you know, change the audio around and stuff. How do you even get in that headspace? Kind of like Mike was saying, with the oil and the cello. Like, how do you just decide, like, I'm going to get some <laughs> sandpaper, dunk it in some oil? 
rub it on this like contrabass cello over here i mean that should give the sound i'm looking for <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know if he knew what he was gonna get when he tried that i bet he was just like this probably do something like there's only so many hours in the day right <laughs> to try random objects yeah his, his first appearance is really well done um because they just show bits and pieces of him until when he finally comes out of the water the wrecked japan so you never fully see him until that point and then you're like oh boy i guess he peeks his head over the mountain at one time it looked a little goofy <laughs> it does look a little goofy yeah it's just like a hand puppet i'm pretty sure but yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get the cool like fins or whatever on his back though first that was cool that's true and you get to see his massive footprints as he walks away that was neat yeah, for the most part, I do think Godzilla looks pretty good. I mean, there is a couple instances where you can he looks a lot different, a little more derpy, I guess is the right word. His <laughs> eyes are a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly the eyes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, he looks awesome. I mean, that probably helps that this is in black and white, so it's not as easy to tell. But uh, yeah, I think they, they do a really good job with the suit. Yeah, they definitely do. Um I watched this YouTube video of this guy kind of talking about this movie um, this afternoon. He was saying that the dude in that suit, um, he like passed out a couple times in there because it was so hot and the suit weighed like 200 pounds or something insane. And it would get up to like 120 degrees in the suit sometimes. I was like reading some trivia about him and like the like, people on the crew were saying that he was such a trooper never griped or complained about being godzilla continued to be in the suit even after this movie kept coming back yeah i can just imagine like once you get out of that thing then having to go back in like the smell like i bet it's so sweaty in there i read that they would drain like cups of his sweat out of it you know that, like, the leg's got to just be full of, like, liquid. The other sloshing as he walks. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of Godzilla. <laughs> the part they don't want you to know. You know, I will say this movie is pretty slow in quite a few spots. Like, it's not bad, but I will say I did have to watch parts of this movie three times because I kept falling asleep. I don't know what it is about this movie, but it also puts me to sleep. But it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those movies that, I don't know, it puts me to sleep when I watch it. <laughs> I know with a lot of these old movies, I have a, it makes me tired for some reason. It's like the black and white. I don't know why, but it just like soothes me or something. Yeah, it, it's like a nostalgia thing for me. I think like back in the day, you'd have TV land on or something and you just sleep. But... I, I did have to watch um, certain parts where, like, the guy with the eye patch um, who made that, like, oxygen bomb or something was talking to people. I did have to watch parts of those three times and be awake for the whole time. Not to say that it was bad, but it, this is a slow movie, and Godzilla's not in it a ton. I was pretty surprised when, like, he comes up to Tokyo and he does some destruction and he goes back and I, like, looked at the time. I was like, wow, there's 30 minutes left of this movie and Godzilla left. He, like, just dipped out. Like, he has a few, uh, like, little scenes where he shows up and does stuff before that. 
But his big scene, after that, there's still, like, a decent chunk of the movie. It's pretty long, though, man. That destruction scene lasts forever, it feels like. Just watching him destroy everything. I tell you what kind of bores me in this movie that I wasn't huge on, and that is the romance. Hmm, okay. Man, it's, like, barely a thing in this. I don't know, that gal kept showing up and complaining about the engagement to the scientist or whatever, or meaning to ask him, and I was like, good lord, get back to Godzilla science. Who is this person? Well, they kind of use it to introduce Serizawa and then what he's working on, and then they kind of use it to move the plot forward, I guess, quite a bit in here, but it's not like it's at the front and center of the movie at all. Well, no, I don't really feel like it factors into the end result. Like, I feel like we could have gone about this without ever having it. I don't know. I was not a fan. I thought it added some depth, I guess, to the characters, but I, I liked that it was there, and I also liked that it wasn't the focus as well. You know, like it felt like it was something that was always in the background. There's kind of, like, a tension there a little bit, but they're obviously putting their feelings about the destruction of Japan first. And that's kind of in the background. And actually, you know, the, the, the line at the end, Mercer, I was like, you two be happy. He knew the whole time, which I really liked. I was like, yeah, well, it's kind of obvious. You know, those two are always hanging out together. It definitely could have been worse. And I mean, it also brings some like tension between the, the rescue pilot guy or whatever. And like uh, the woman's father, because they also have to tell him, but they disagree on so much about how to handle Godzilla. And so it kind of keeps ruining the moment. Which I guess, like, my thing is that, like, that sort of tension just seems so small in the face of Godzilla. But maybe that's the point. It kind of is like how some everyday people deal with it a little bit. I mean, because look at the pandemic going on now. You've got, like, people dealing with it in different ways and how they handle it. So it kind of addresses that in a crisis. It addresses a lot of different stuff, actually. Not just that, but we'll, we'll get to those. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it would honestly change that much, though, too, if they would have just left it. But it's just a little flavor. I like the flavor of it. It's just something extra. It, it don't bug me if it doesn't detract any from it, which it, it doesn't really detract any, so. Yeah, I always feel weird talking about these movies that are really old and criticizing them sometimes on stuff like that just since it was like so old back then and we've seen all this new updated stuff now and that's mainly what we watch it's kind of weird to look at how they do like romance and scenes back then it is a lot different yeah i didn't even really catch on to that too much in this but maybe that was because i was snoozing through some of this you know they don't do that bad a job of handling romance in a lot of these movies. In the original Godzilla vs. King Kong, it's actually pretty decent in that one, I'd say. And I mean, it's never like the focus either, I don't feel like. It's always kind of just it's like a thing of these people's lives, but they never really like, there's never like a big moment where the girl and the guy kiss because they finally fallen in love. Like, it's never like that. Yeah, I am with you though, Dan. I think they bring up some interesting points in this. I like some of the debates they have about, like, should we tell the people about Godzilla? Should we wait till we know more about it? Because uh, I remember, like, the bomb thing. That's, like, the main crux of the movie is, like, what do you do with this uh, oxygen destroyer? But there's some other stuff in here, too, that I'm like, 
Huh, I kind of forgot about that. Oh yeah, that's a that's a very cool thing watching that and how they address it cuz I mean, that's a tough question that you don't really have the right answer to. It it addresses a lot about being in a scenario like this, which is cool. Um cuz it's showing all of like the destruction and it looks like what happened when the bomb went off. Of course, because that's what Godzilla represents. It's kind of like I'm taking a, I don't know, a breath of fresh air. Cathartic. This movie's kind of cathartic in that aspect, I think. And that's partly why it probably did so well when it came out. And I think a lot of these subplots help with that because it addresses all that stuff. And it's showcased in a way that's accessible, I guess, and not super like, mmm. I don't know, hard to watch, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is like hard to watch. It's still like a bummer and kind of depressing sometimes, but it's certainly not like I come out of this and I'm like, oh God, I want to die. I hope nobody else ever sees this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not a happy film by any means, but it's, yeah, it's a lot, it's a more approachable way to talk about it rather than just, I guess, bringing it up face value, I suppose. It's hidden underneath some layers that make it easier to digest. Yeah, I think that's probably like the most impactful part of this movie is Godzilla is the metaphor for, you know, the nuclear destruction during World War II. Because like that just happened, what, nine years before this movie came out? So like all the destruction shots they had in this, um, like those probably sat very strangely with people in japan because they saw that you know just like less than 10 years ago didn't even occur to me that it was less than a decade nine years is not a very long amount of time well they even talk about it in the movie like that one lady's like i just got out of nagasaki or whatever now i have to evacuate again because of godzilla yeah and the whole last like portion of this movie is they're really having a commentary on you know nuclear weapons and testing and that kind of stuff yeah and i really like that part yeah they change it up for the u.s version yeah it's not as big into nuclear stuff yes unsurprisingly um they do change that whole last ending bit i did watch that was in this video i was watching on youtube yeah (laughs) it might be a little uncomfortable for uh well, I guess they might think it might be uncomfortable to address it to American audiences. I don't know what they're thinking, but they had the American man wandered around Japan. He's a reporter or something. Old Steve Martin. Yep. It's, honestly, it's not a horrible, like, compared to some of the other, like, American versions of these movies. Like, I watched some of it, and, you know, it's actually okay, I think, but it's not nearly as good as the Japanese one, for sure. It's just strange, I guess, just <laughs> some of the scenes. They don't dub the Japanese people at first. And just Steve Martin's like, what did he say? Can you tell me what they're saying? Over and over again. And then finally they just start dubbing everybody. And it's like, why even, what? <laughs> they just, it's very obvious when like he's not in the scene with certain people. That's pretty funny. but It's definitely weird, because to me, I would think this would be the most important one for them to not, like destroy in the <laughs> the transfer to the u.s you know yeah the crux of the movie is the whole um oxygen destroyer which is really it's such it's a, such a cool 
idea and an interesting, like, I guess, question to bring up about, you know, well, this is the deterrence to this horrible threat is just an even worse weapon. And is it even worth, you know, using because it could just do so much more damage than what's already been done. Yeah, I really like that about this movie. I think that's the one of the coolest things it does is it has that commentary in there. It asks those questions and then it also talks or it goes over like the people who make those weapons and what they feel like and stuff after they've done it. And it addresses all that in a down-to-earth way. Knowing Godzilla now or what most people have seen, you wouldn't expect that from this movie, right? But it's really good and what makes this one stand above most of the other ones, I'd say, is that whole commentary and subplot alone. Yeah, it's just such a tough quest, you know, like, yeah, it's just, you can see all the destruction around you, and it's literally like the souls of J Japan crying out to him via the TV that makes him finally decide he's going to do it, but, you know, he's still going to sacrifice himself so that his knowledge isn't passed on. It is pretty heavy, and it ends the movie on a pretty somber note. Yeah, it does. But it's making a good statement and making a good point. So it works, and I'm glad that it <laughs> that it goes that far with it, too. Yeah, I agree, especially for, like, 1954. This still does hit pretty hard, the ending of this movie. I'm completely baffled how they took this movie, and then they turned Godzilla into what he is in the rest of his, like, movies, <laughs> where he's, like, goofy. <laughs> I had to get HBO Max to watch this, and I, like, search up Godzilla to watch it. And there's like 12 movies that show up. And it's like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Godzilla, son of Godzilla. Godzilla kills Big Moth in space. You know, like, <laughs> like those aren't legit ones. Maybe one of Mothra, them is. Mothra, how dare you? Um, <laughs> Big Moth. <laughs> he doesn't go to space in that one. God. It, it, I, I'm, I'm just uh, over-exaggerating to make the like, point. They like took this really like impactful movie and they like turned it into this goofy kind of series after it. I, I've never seen something quite like this done with a character like Godzilla. I mean, he does. He represents a lot of different things. I mean, this one is definitely the nuclear stuff. But as they, they kind of shift away from that, even the second one is the pretty big shift away from. I don't know what he represents in Godzilla raids again. <laughs> I, I just I think it's. Goofy, it does feel goofy today. I don't know if it was meant to be that goofy back then. And I mean, like Godzilla versus King Kong, like the old one is, it's definitely supposed to be a comedy. Like that one is pretty hilarious. It's a satire. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was meaning more. Like this one is pretty serious. And then you get like King Kong shoving a tree down Godzilla's throat, you know? <laughs> it's interesting to see how Godzilla's character has been adapted to different like tones throughout the years he's basically a superhero by the end of the yeah showa era he's like he literally swoops in and saves some kids at what what movie was that terror of mecha godzilla which I, I like that though i think it's cool that it's such a versatile like monster they can kind of shift him wherever they want and it feels like it still works i guess for me at least they can they can meld him to fit a lot of different themes and ideas rather than just being nuclear destruction or whatever well, it made so much money and did so good when it came out that 
Toho's like, oh, no, nah, we got to bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Money was a, a big talker in that. We can't keep making bummers. We got to make them. We got to make Godzilla cool. Hey, it worked, though. I mean, it hooked to me. I mean, the ones I watched as a kid were all those, like, yeah, versus Mothra versus King Kong. Those ones are the ones that really got me into them, so. And I think there's an interesting approach going back to kind of like the questions this movie brings up about Godzilla. The first thought you would just assume is like, yeah, we got to get rid of this thing. But they even ask the question, should we even kill this thing? Like, it is such a rare monster, you know? It's immune to radiation, apparently, or something, you know? Like, something could be gained from learning from this. And that's kind of what the paleontologist is thinking this whole time. And I, I think that's kind of an interesting talk, too, like how they discuss that and how depressed he gets when he realizes that they're going to have to kill Godzilla. Well, and it hits home a lot more too, since it's in Japan too. Cause it's like, yeah, that definitely would be something they'd be very interested in, but everyone's first instinct is to just blow him up. Right. You have to get rid of him, which I mean, to be fair. Yeah. It makes sense after what he did, but yeah, <laughs> I was going to say like, what are they supposed to do? He's like destroying the country. There's like never like an alternative to killing him presented besides just letting him destroy the country while studying. I think he's the only one who's interested in preserving him, though. Everybody else is the ones who are like, yeah, we're just going to try to kill him off. Rightfully so, too. But I mean, it does make it is a good point because it gets into that argument. Would you save more lives by letting them run around and stomp on stuff until you figure out what protects him? It, it's it's there's a lot of tough questions in this movie it gets you thinking about a lot of stuff yeah i don't know that's tough like they don't have enough time to really figure out a different way of like pacifying him they don't really explore those options they go straight to shooting him and then melting him in the <laughs> into the water <laughs> with the oxygen destroyer and it's like it's only an hour and a half long movie too it's not very long it still manages to raise all these questions and moral points and stuff, too. Well, we should probably talk about the monster and the technical stuff of it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> this movie always amazes me at how good the scale is and how good they achieved that in this. All those shots of him in the background stomping around while the people are running and they're so small while he's so big. It's just they do such a good job with the scale of them in this movie. And considering the time period and all the tricks they have to do to make it work like that, it's real impressive that it turned out so good, I think. Yeah, I think the model work is really well done and really sells like a lot of the the destruction and yeah, the like the way they're able to, I don't, it's not a green screen. What's that? What's the word when they uh, overlap the footage so that it looks like he's in the frame and then like superimpose or whatever. Superimpose. Yeah. They're, it doesn't look th like it looks pretty good. Yeah. For the time. It looks either. real. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like it's uh superimposed really. And I think like the, the Foley work that like we were talking about earlier really helps too with the, the buildings, the sounds it makes crumbling and the hits he hits on these buildings and stuff. It sound, it's super impactful. I think that's what really makes it, you know? I mean, some of these buildings, like, you know, you can tell they're like miniatures. But that Foley work really makes it seem a lot more, not necessarily like visceral, but I mean, it, it hits. There's like impact, there's force, there's things crumbling. 
It makes it feel real, even if your brain's like, maybe that's not real. Like, I mean, they, like I saw George Lucas said that this was a huge inspiration for his Star Wars miniatures, and there's like a ton of progress made on miniatures, I think, in the 20 years after this movie. But that sound work really makes it, I think, for, for me at least. I mean, I, th- and I think it helps that it's in black and white, too. I mean, I think the model works really good in this, but, you know, I think that does hide a lot of, like, the kind of the flaws, I guess, that you'd be able to point out more easily with the grainy footage and the blacks and the shadows and stuff. I mean, just look at, like, the other one we talked about on here, the Frankenstein versus the world and Baragon or whatever, right? <laughs> just comp- just compare the both of those movies and this one's like so much better in every regard um when it comes to the technical aspects it's nuts it's just it's they did such a good job on their first outing and like yeah the the miniatures i think are really good too especially the destruction that they do with the miniature work it's it's real good like it legit looks like he's a building's crumbling when he's walking through it and stuff yeah, I agree. There's a scene where he, like, destroys some power lines. And that just, like, looks really good. That's the one that I can remember um, pretty vividly. Because it's like looking up through the power lines and he's, like, smashing it. And they're sparking on him and stuff. Yeah. It is, it's pretty insane that they did this in 1954. Yeah, I love it when a big old monster's walking through power lines. That's, like, iconic. I don't know why. I love it when they do that. <laughs> It looks so good. <laughs> and the effect of his breath with melting, like, the, the power lines, I think that's what he uses it on first is those power lines and just seeing it, like, melt down. That was really cool, too, I thought. That did a really good job with that. I don't know how they did that. Like, if they sped up footage a little bit for that, like, just burnt something and filmed it melting or what they did, but it was it was cool. We talked about the effects and stuff and the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, and they were really good in that one, too, for the most part. Um, that one even had, like, the cool shot of them picking up a guy and eating him, which Godzilla never never does in this movie. But it's cool how good they're able to achieve these big monster movies back then with the stuff they had. For sure feels so ambitious, you know, and it's so cool that they went for it. Seems like it'd be so, it, it seems such such an impossibility, I guess, if you, like, had no idea these existed, and you're like, how would they ever do this? Like, you'd have to have CGI, but no, they, they figured out ways to do it, whether it be, yeah, stop motion, or just guys in giant suits. Camera tricks, too, a lot. You get so many movies today that just, like, try and do all this stuff with CGI, it's cool to see like them actually trying to figure it out back then. Some things work, some things don't, but it's cool they were paving the way with all these tricks. And it pretty much all works in this. I can't think of anything that was really bad. Yeah, I mean like the scene where he like vaporizes some people with his breath isn't great, but that was the only one that I was like, "Oi, okay." There's a scene where he like um peeks over this mountain or this hill and there's like people running down it running away from him this is before he got to tokyo and you can just like see his googly eyes oh, very yeah, well that's right, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's the only thing i could think of 
whenever they use that effect, but like I think it is just a puppet. Um, that's the only thing I can think of that I'm like that doesn't look nearly as good as just the normal suit they use. Just because you have the eyes, I do not think are quite right. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. You only see it like that a couple times, and the rest he's real menacing and scary as he's stomping on people and and buildings and stuff. Picking up buses and throwing them back down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tipping bridges over. I think he does that twice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like, he's leaving, and then he stops, and he's like, F yo, bridge, and just <laughs> dumps it in the water. <laughs> he does. He's about to leave, and he turns around and just flips it over. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you forget it. <laughs> flips the bridge and leaves. <laughs> Some scenes in Shin Godzilla definitely make a lot more sense after watching this. Like, I think I talked smack on the scene where Godzilla just stands there and takes like face full of muscle, uh, not muscle, missiles, essentially muscle, military muscle. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he does that quite a bit in this movie. It's kind of like goofy how they're like, oh, he was created from nuclear radiation and nuclear bombs. And they're like, well, let's bomb him some more. <laughs> like, mm, that'll work. That'll go. Right. I think, yeah, one of the, is it the paleontologist guy who says something like, he's like, well, he's obviously survived the first like nuclear test, the blast of a nuclear bomb. Like, I don't know what else we can do. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the stuff in Shin Godzilla is like it is because they're trying to emulate him being in the suit in this one because i mean he can't it, the, it's their first suit he can't he dude can barely move in that thing in this movie so we couldn't have him like attacking the aircraft and like trying to dodge missiles and bullets and stuff but that's also as part of what makes him scary and menacing because it's like you shoot at him and he just looks at you and's like what are you gonna do huh this ain't doing nothing yeah, he's like the juggernaut. He just keeps moving and nothing stops him. It's weird. It's like it's a limitation, but it still works in his favor. Yeah, I mean, he's a giant lizard. He's not going to be leaping around dodging stuff, you know? He's slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one and what was it? The dude in <laughs> Frankenstein versus... Or... Oh, Baragon? Ba oh, Baragon. Baragon could leap. That guy oh, yeah. <laughs> That guy's nuts. That's true. <laughs> I would definitely put that in that goofy vein of Godzilla movies. I think it is the suit. Like they Godzilla himself gets a lot more mobile too <laughs> than later ones. Oh yeah. He can drop kick people for miles and he can fly. It's awesome. He dances. He can dance, yeah. I kinda like his slow moving stuff like in this in Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I do, too. I'm not so keen on these monster suits that are just Power Ranger villains, though. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know who you're talking about. Paragon. <laughs> I like Paragon. Oh, my God. Well, anyways. So I guess Godzilla's theme has been, like, used through all of his movies pretty much, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, the guy made the theme for this movie, and it's used in some way or some form in every single Godzilla movie, I think, right? Mm, not every single one, but it's the most, most, yeah, I would say most. 
Which is good, because I love that theme so much. I love a lot of the themes in this movie, and they, a lot of them do come back in later movies, too. But he might. this guy might be one of my favorite composers, just because, man, those themes are all so good. So iconic. The military march theme is really good, too. That's as good as the Godzilla theme. Everything's cool in this, yeah. Like the the Godzilla's got a couple, like the one with like it's really slow, the bum 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 really slow. Oh, so creepy. It's just such a good fit. So like slow and lumbering and it's almost like dragging its feet a little bit. It's perfect for what the Godzilla is. I love the tunes in this. Not only this, but all the like old Japanese movies. Hmm. Does anybody have anything else? Are we ready for some overall presentation on Godzilla? I'm ready. Let's do it. What's the scale, TV? All right, yeah. The scale goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little spiel about what we think, and we try to average our scores out at the end. So who knows where we're going to land this time. This does remind me, you know, there were some, like, tests going on way back in the day, and I remember there was some discovery they found that, like, kind of rose from the surface. Um, and it's kind of, like, deeply classified, but, you know, I've got a friend whose uncle works at the Pentagon, so I was able to see these these pictures. And uh, it, it looked like it was a picture of Mike rising out of the ocean, massive <laughs> and tall. Like Frankenstein. Yeah, letting out a, an, his epic battle cry roar of, I will go first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <run> the real. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> it's pretty strange that this was like back in like the 50s, 60s, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> they covered it up. It was too bizarre, but luckily, yeah, I've got, I've got a really good friend whose cousin's uncle's, uh, pal works at the <laughs> pentagon so he told me about it yeah I'll, I'll go first here so i've been kind of struggling on trying to figure out what i'm gonna give this movie like it is very influential um i mean and it's got a really somber and cool message for it and i can't imagine watching this movie back in 1954 but I don't know if I would recommend you, like, go watch this movie unless you are a fan of old movies or a big Godzilla fan. Um, I do like both of those things, but I haven't... Admittedly, I haven't seen a ton of Godzilla besides, um, like, the newer movies. I think I'm going to give this one a watch. It It's worth checking out, especially if you like old movies or if you're really into Godzilla. And it's very different than all the rest of the Godzilla movies that I've seen, at least. So that is pretty cool. Rad. Yeah, you know, I'm not like the biggest Godzilla fan. Not that I dislike old Zilla. I've just never really invested myself into the the franchise. This movie does have a lot going for it. I mean, it's got a killer score, like we just said. I mean, the music is great. I love all these old Japanese like horror and sci-fi films, like scores and music. And this is right up there, forefront, top of that. It's got some great effects for the 50s and from a historical perspective, which is also what I kind of like about this. Kind of like when we watched Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, there's just this like historical aspect that I kind of appreciate about these, seeing 
where we've been, how far we've come, you know, what was what was a good movie back then. So I think I got to give old Godzilla a watch. I'm not sure I would buy it. I personally appreciate a lot of the modernizations of Shin Godzilla. But I think, you know, just once around the sun for this one here, one time, check out the influences, get that groundwork laid. It's worth it. I'm glad I saw it. It's a watch. So I'm a pretty big Godzilla fan. Um, and so I guess take my <laughs> uh, overall presentation with that in regard. But I think this movie, not only is it one of the best Godzilla movies, it's actually like a legit good movie on its note, even if you take away the word Godzilla. Like it has a lot of interesting messages. Uh, the characters have some, they have some like dialogue and some interesting ideas that they present. Um, and I think, you know, Obviously, Godzilla is awesome as well. He looks great for the most part. The effects are all great. The music is awesome. And yeah, I mean, it is old and it is kind of a little bit slow, but I can't help but get sucked in every time I watch this. This movie really did cement Godzilla as king of the monsters, at least in my eyes. And I mean, obviously, I'm going to give it a buy, obviously. I own this movie twice, actually, uh, because I bought the Criterion Godzilla movie and then I ended up buying the... Uh, <laughs> the Criterion Collection, which included the first one. So I bought it twice. It's that good, I think. Um, but yeah, I'd say, yeah, if you're going to watch any Godzilla movie, then it should probably be this one if you're like at all curious about it. So yeah, following up with TV, I also own this movie twice. The Criterion <laughs> Standalone and then the Showa Godzilla Collection. It's good. Um Real good. This is the best Godzilla movie out of all of them, for sure. It's, I mean, it, it's iconic. It cements in the kaiju film. It's got great effects, great practical effects, awesome miniature work, awesome sound design, awesome music. The, the characters aren't the best, admittedly, but they're not, they're not, too much of the focus there the main focus is asking all those big moral questions and representing um the fallout of the bombs being dropped on japan in world war ii it's, it's a very important movie from that aspect i think i don't think you have to be a fan of godzilla to appreciate that in this movie Whereas in something like Shin Godzilla, I would probably argue that you might want to be a fan of that, of Godzilla to watch that one. This one, you don't really have that requirement because, I mean, it was the very first one. And I think the messages and themes explored in this are important and something that you should, you should give it a watch, I think. Um... But I, I'm going to give it a buy it, of course. I mean, it, it's iconic in every way, and it's backed up by solid filmmaking and solid message and story that's pertinent even to this day. So, yeah, definitely a buy it for me. So we have that middle ground here. This has happened, like, in the last couple reviews, it feels like, right? Like, what is this? It definitely has, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to revisit this movie. It's one that I don't watch as much as you'd think, I guess, after my praise of saying it's the probably the, one of the best ones. 
There's just that soft spot in my heart for all those, yeah, versus movies where he's fighting Mothra or Rodan or something. Those are more fun to the watch than this one is. <laughs> that is that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> the other ones do are pretty goofy, I feel like, you know. Nobody else is gonna be sending me son of Godzilla snaps at one AM, you know. <laughs> we do get a lot of like really zoomed in goofy kaiju face snaps from tv <laughs> from time to time <laughs> i like to do that that's true that godzilla figure you have that is pretty goofy i like his face <laughs> <laughs> that's from godzilla versus kong ironically enough you know i i was thinking about which figure i wanted i was between um this one that i have and godzilla versus mothra and the thing is i think i like the godzilla versus mothra design better but I like the inherent goofiness of the Godzilla versus King Kong design and how like it looks kind of weird. He looks like a weird crocodile looking thing. So I went with that one because I was like, he just looks more derpy in this. Yeah, his face is very derpy. I love it. So we're doing original King Kong next week, right? The 19, what, 32? 33. 33, okay. The, like, OG monster movie of them all. <laughs> it is. Does this one have, like, dialogue, or is it old enough that it is, like, it looks like people are saying something, and then it goes to, like, a card of what they said? It's got dialogue. It's There's talking in it. Yeah, I think they stopped doing that after, like, 1915. I think so, too, but I couldn't really remember. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely, I think this is this is the oldest movie we're ever going to have reviewed. Because we. I think the first oldest is uh, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. We're going back to Claymation, though. This King Kong is Claymation? Yeah, stop motion Claymation. I guess he's technically stop motion, not Claymation. I think. I don't really know. I was trying to, like, picture, like, you know, like, Wallace with a bunch of fur, like, taped over him, stumbling around New York <laughs> looking for a cheese, but... <laughs> he doesn't look like that, that's for sure, but yeah. I'm excited to watch this again. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I've never seen the original King Kong. I like Kong, kind of. You know, I'm always more of a Godzilla fan myself, but... Um, we'll see as the series goes if maybe the, my feelings on Kong improve. I've been told that the feelings on this podcast are not biased towards Godzilla, but I'm skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, hold on a second. I don't own a Godzilla figure, and I have bought Godzilla two times. And I'll keep, I'm trying to keep an open mind. There's room in my heart for both, so <laughs> King Kong's just got to earn it, dang it. But in the meantime, if any of you listeners want to hit us up, uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear some thoughts on Godzilla. What do you think? Is it a classic? Is it dated? Does it feel old and maybe a little too slow? I want to know. Yeah, be sure to get in contact with us. Tell us your thoughts on Godzilla. Yeah, you start sending us your thoughts. Who's going to win? I'm worried when this comes out, it's already going to be out. And but, I mean, so tell us before you watch the movie who's going to win. Who who do you think at the final bout? I did just notice that one of our hosts uh, 
Discord <laughs> avatar is Godzilla. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no bias anyways, here. No bias at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run the Real signing off. Yeah, so this is gonna be. Uh, <laughs> I you can cut that out. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs>